2: You have one message. First message. Hey! 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 Hey, look. This is Aaron Hale and Dave Schwab, and we're on a road trip <laughs> and thought we'd call and say, dude, I cannot believe you didn't have me on
0: the show to talk about the Beastie Boys and the 30th anniversary of the release of Paul's Boutique. You know that I'm a huge Beastie Boys fan. You know that I listen to every chance that I can. I thought for the podcast I was your go-to man. I'd like to say I'm not upset, but I kind of am. Next time you want to talk about the Beastie Boys or Tribe Called Quest or whatever, you better call
2: me, dude. You better have me on. No remaining messages.
1: From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 1, Episode 24, Good Dads, Bad Theology, and Portable Power. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, August 5th, 1989. Hello friends, and welcome to Episode 24 of 30 Pop. It's hard to believe we've already made it all the way to August, and we're only a week away from our 25th episode. Before I jump into this week's 30-year-old pop culture nostalgia, let me offer my sincerest apologies to my dear, dear friend, actor and filmmaker Aaron Hale, for not including him in last week's episode, Looking Back at the Beastie Boys. I do know that he's almost as big a Beastie Boys fan as my friend Demi, but in my defense, at the time I needed to record the episode, he was on the set of his next film, a quirky western called Javelina Run, which I absolutely cannot wait to see. Aaron, for what it's worth, I have every intention of having you on in the next two weeks to talk about something else you love. A fantastic film starring the comedy actor to whom you're most often compared, and the trailer for which we'd have definitely seen in theaters thirty years ago this week. From John Hughes, starring John Candy and young Macaulay Culkin, Uncle Buck. Where do you live? The city. Do you
2: have a house? Apartment. On no a rent. Rent. What do you do for a living?
0: Lots of things. Where's your office? I don't have one. How come? I don't need one. Where's your wife? Don't have one. How come? It's a long story. Do you have kids? No, I don't. How come? It's an even longer story.
1: Are you my dad's brother?
0: I'm your dad's brother, all right.
1: Buck Russell had always been the black sheep of the family. I'm stunned that I'm related to you. Until one night. Buck, we have a problem with the kids. We're stuck for somebody to watch them. Oh, please, not that. Can we trust him?
0: my brother, for God's sake. I won't let him get into that Satan
2: stuff or any of the new chicks. I'll leave that for me. Wow. <laughs> God. I'm God. kidding, huh?
1: Now, he's making them breakfast. Cigar? No, thanks. Making them lunch. And making them crazy. What did you do? Oh. Irresistible.
2: I want to ask you why I'm so attracted to you.
1: I I wouldn't even guess at that.
2: (laughs) He's unbelievable.
0: I'm Anita Orgar. I'm Buck Melanoma. Molly Russell's wart.
2: He's... Would you just... John Candy. (laughs) As Uncle Buck. What does he like to drink? I've been leaving the the toilet seats up. (laughs) Is that what the blue water is? It's not good for him, huh? Uncle Buck the new comedy from John Hughes.
0: Wow. You have much more hair than your
2: nose than my dad. How nice of you to notice. I'm
0: a kid, and that's my job.
1: Coming soon to a theater near you. John Candy wasn't the only comedy legend with a big new release 30 years ago this week. Former SNL star and stand-up icon Steve Martin was dominating the box office with his film, Parenthood. This movie had about as star-studded a cast as was possible in 1989, with Steve Martin, Diane Wiest, Rick Moranis, Keanu Reeves... Martha Plimpton from the Goonies fame, and a young Joaquin Phoenix, then known as Leaf. And it was written in part and directed by the always amazing Ron Howard. There were no other major theatrical releases to speak of this weekend in 1989, but there was a really well-cast release on VHS. Mel Gibson, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Kurt Russell's crime thriller Tequila Sunrise. In television this week, after five seasons and 111 episodes, the Michael Landon series Highway to Heaven called it quits. The show is about a probationary angel, played by Landon, who is sent back to Earth to team up with an ex-cop to help people all over the country. An overtly Christian fundamentalist fantasy drama for the whole family, almost certainly named as a spoof on the 1979 ACDC album and single, Highway to Hell. I can only imagine why it didn't get picked up for another season. In Major League Baseball, on August 3rd, 1989, the Cincinnati Reds sent a record 20 men to bat for 16 hits and 14 runs in the first inning. And on the same day, shortly after being traded from the New York Yankees back to his original team, the Oakland A's, left fielder Ricky Henderson set an American League record of nine seasons with 50 or more steals. If I haven't mentioned it before, despite how often it comes up on the show, I could not care less about baseball. So, on to the good stuff. On July 31st, 1989 was the North American release of the culture-shaping, first really great handheld gaming device, Nintendo's Game Boy, changing life as we knew it in the back seats of station wagons and minivans everywhere. This week I had the great pleasure of chatting with nostalgia-loving Instagram influencer Rick Hutchinson, aka Retro Rick, about how the Game Boy changed the world. Here's our conversation. Rick, welcome to 30 Pops.
0: So great to have you on.
2: Thanks for having me, man.
1: So
0: when I started this show, one of the first spaces that I sort of moved into was on Instagram. I wanted to build a following there. I'm really bad at social media, so I didn't really do that. But <laughs> one of the first sort of retro accounts that I found when I started 30 Pops Instagram was yours, which is retro underscore Rick. Why don't you tell folks what you do there?
2: Yeah, So, which I think is crazy that you found me. I've only been on there for, I started the account at the beginning of the year. Um, just before the beginning of the year, so like December time frame of 2018. But all things nostalgia, man. Everything from, you know, video games, movies, toys. I was born 87, then I had older cousins. So, you know, I got to play with their old Nintendos and stuff like that whenever I was, you know, three or four, but they had had them for a long time. Yeah. So anything 80s and 90s, man, I just have been really into. And I got to the point where my friends got sick of me talking about nostalgia to them. And I was like, man, I need to find people that want to talk about this. <laughs> so,
0: that's, I think my friends are getting sick of it now. Yeah,
2: that's kind of what happened. It's like you know what—they don't want to talk about whatever topic it is that I'm really like, you know, learning out about. So like, man, I bet there's people out there that want to talk about this stuff. So I just kind of started posting pictures of all this random 90s stuff. I have a amazing wife, and she lets me have a Nintendo nerd room, which I'm so grateful for because I love it.
0: It's remarkable. That room is amazing. And I think that's what drew me in. I'm not quite sure how I came across you. I think you had several thousand followers already when I found you. That room, though, I was just like, oh, my God, what I wouldn't give to have a space like that in my house. But for me, it's not even the nostalgia of, like, remembering these things so much as, like, how much I longed for them when I was a kid. And I couldn't have them. I didn't have a Nintendo. I didn't have any of that stuff. I wanted it so bad. But it was like, it's just what all my rich friends had. Yeah, and um, now we
2: have jobs and we can go buy it.
0: Yes. <laughs> and then, and it's, it's somehow more expensive now than it was when I was a kid. But I
2: know. But yeah, I just started to do that. I kind of have a, a couple of cool spots in the room to take pictures. And the pictures turn out really cool. I'm, I'm no photographer at all. But they come out really cool and people enjoy them. So,
0: so then you started a YouTube channel... A few months in right
2: yeah i actually started the instagram page to push people towards youtube i never even thought about instagram being like one of the platforms i really use but it actually became my main platform so i started it three months before i launched youtube and you know i didn't want me and my wife to be the only person watching my youtube videos so i was like well what if i find some people on instagram that want to watch it and it's flipped. Now, I definitely do YouTube stuff, but Instagram has been my primary focus. So, Yeah,
0: that's amazing. So before we get into the thing that we're actually going to talk about today, you also told me you recently launched your own podcast that's similar in nature to 30 Pop, right?
2: Yeah, it's called The 90s Win. It's on iTunes and Spotify. I co-host it with a buddy of mine. And he's a little bit older than me. I think he's 35. He's actually the one that pushed me to even start doing any of this stuff. Because he's on my game room. I've had my game room before any of this. And he's on YouTube already. He has a couple different channels. But he was like, dude, you need to start a YouTube channel. Like, that's your backdrop. I mean, people love nostalgia. I mean, it is blown up. You go to Target, you're going to see Kelly Kapowski shirts. It's like, what is happening? Like, it's huge right now. And I was like, I don't want to do that. He kind of talked me into it and started to do it. It's been a blast. But, yeah, we just started that podcast about a month ago. So.
0: so you. I'm looking at your Instagram right now. You're clearly an expert in what we want to talk about. So 30 years ago, this past week, was the North America release of Nintendo's Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your sort of experience with the Game Boy. Obviously, you were like two years old when it came out. So you, I assume, didn't grow up with it?
2: Well, I mean, I didn't grow up with it until... I don't think I got a Game Boy until I was probably five or six.
0: So it was still... It was still
2: relatively new. And it was relatively new kind of an idea. I mean, we never had a portable game system like that where you could take it wherever and yeah. play Mario, play Tetris or whatever. So I think my main memories of it were, again, playing my cousins because that's what it always was. I had a cousin that was probably four or five years older than me. And, you know, you want to be like your older siblings or your older cousins and we'd go over there and I wouldn't get to play. I'd get to watch them play. But just seeing that Game Boy and being like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I don't want to do so bad. Yeah, I didn't get a Game Boy first. I got a Game Gear. So I actually grew up more on the Sega Game Gear.
0: Oh, gosh. I totally forgot about those. So that was like early, like 93, 94 when those came out? Right? 91.
2: 91. 91, really? Okay. Which it's crazy, too, because the Game Gear was way more advanced than the Game Boy. But the Game Boy won. Like, man, it just it had more games. The big thing with the Game Gear was it was in color, which was great, and it had a backlight. Mm-hmm. But it just drained batteries.
0: I was to say, that's one of the things with the Game Boys, it lasted forever. Like, the batteries would last forever.
2: Yeah, you could play probably, I mean, at least probably six hours on a Game Boy, and you're looking like a, maybe an hour on a game gear. So, yeah, it was a big difference. Did you grow up with it?
0: You know, I didn't. So I had a few friends that had them, and so I would get to play them occasionally. And But I remember it being a huge deal when it came out. What's funny is there was only really one, like, original game when it launched and that was Mario land, Mm -hmm. but you know, like Tetris and there was a baseball and a tennis and I don't know, maybe a couple other games that they had sort of ported over from the Nintendo. And so, but it was such a huge deal. I mean, it was just like the idea of being able to like go on vacation or something and sit in the back of a car or a station wagon or whatever and be completely occupied. I mean, I guess it was the 1980s version of, the iPad that parents stick in front of their kids today, you know. (laughs) Yeah. But, man, it was just so much fun every time I did get to play it. The memories I have, though, of that little monochromatic screen always being so hard to see and, like, you could adjust the contrast on it and try to get it right, but it was just never quite right.
2: Yeah, my memory of it was was riding the car. And at night, I remember having one and being able to play only when the streetlight hit it. And you're like driving on the side of the road trying yeah. to hit the street like they hit it just right. And you're like, I could see for like a split second to try to get through the whatever level you're on. It was so bad. <laughs>
0: it really was. And Tetris, obviously, I mean, like that's where I feel like Tetris really blew up. I guess Tetris had been around for several years at that point. But the Game Boys were Tetris. That's where I remember playing Tetris. And I just remember that game being so freaking hard. Mm-hmm. You know, once you got past these those early levels, it was just so, so hard. I should have been, like, a worse kid so that my parents would have bought me one to shut me up, but I was already quiet, so <laughs> that wouldn't have worked.
2: Yeah, but, that was my first uh, – Tetris also. Did you know that Tetris was the number one selling game of all time because of the Game Boy until, like, Dude, a couple of years ago, Minecraft just passed it.
0: Really? Minecraft?
2: That's crazy. Minecraft, yeah. And Tetris was the first. It had like 200 million sales, I think, or something like that.
0: That's incredible. Mm-hmm. I was watching a clip from the 25th anniversary of the Game Boy, and at that point, it had sold 118 million. So even just from Game Boy sales, te- because Tetris came with it, you know, of course, it was tons and tons of sales. But what I've been thinking about all week is how I'm trying to imagine had Nintendo not introduced the Game Boy, like how that sort of shifted pop culture everything began being portable at that point yeah so i would love to just hear you talk about that a little bit i mean as a person who is clearly like connected to the entire kind of gaming world especially vintage gaming world how do you think this shifted culture
2: well i mean i don't know how much of the kind of the back history you know about the game boy i didn't know a lot of this stuff until i basically put a whole youtube video together and i never launched it or released it just because i didn't like how it turned out I did like a five things you didn't know about the Game Boy type of thing. Mm. And the way it even kind of came about was the creator of it, I'm, I'm going to say his name so wrong, it's Gunpei Yokoi, I think that's how you say it. He was on a Metro line, and this was like late 70s, early 80s, and he was just on the subway. And he saw somebody with their calculator in their hand. And, you know, you don't have a cell phone. This is completely mm-hmm. a different time. And the person was just pushing the buttons like to make time pass. And they're sitting there, he's watching them, and he's like, man, what if we had things that we could take with us and just sit and actually play something to make time pass whenever we're you know, on the train or whatever? So he started to develop this idea, and the first thing that ever came out was those Nintendo handhelds. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah,
0: a single game.
2: It was a single game, it was Donkey Kong, Mario.
0: There was a baseball one. I remember there being a baseball one.
2: Yeah, this isn't the Tiger Electronic ones. These are Nintendo branded. I don't even have any of these.
0: Oh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong thing then.
2: Yeah, dude, they're weird. There's a Zelda one. I think they were made like early 80s, 82, 83. So this is before the Nintendo even came out. Wow. So they made these, and they're pretty hard to find. They're called Game & Watch. Okay. That was like the first introduction to anything handheld. And then, you know, everything, the game changed whenever they made the Game Boy, because then you're like, okay, I can just take this one console with me and, you know, take out cartridges and play different games. So, yeah, it's huge. I mean... Even the Switch now, the Switch is a considered portable console. And that's what we've all moved towards is taking it wherever we are, whenever we are, and be able to play. And the Game Boy was, you know, monumental in that.
0: So great. Man, well, thanks so much for being on. And we'll link to your show and your YouTube channel, all of the places where people can find you in the show notes. I do want to correct myself what I said earlier. It's retro double underscore Rick. Is that right? It is. I don't want people to find the wrong retro Rick. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I'm wearing the virtual boy in the picture.
0: Awesome. Rick, thank you so much, man. We look forward to having you back on.
2: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
1: Huge thanks to Rick for being a part of this episode and for the absolutely fantastic 80s and 90s nostalgic content he posts day in and day out on Instagram. There are links in the show notes for this episode for all the various places you can find Rick online. Be sure to give him a follow. Huge thanks also, and happiest of birthdays, to my dear friend and podcasting collaborator, Aaron Hale. Maybe give him a follow too, at Aaron Hale on Twitter and Instagram. And while you're at it, if you don't already, be sure to follow 30 Pop on Facebook and Twitter, at 30 Pop, and on Instagram, at 30 Pop Podcast. If you're in Houston, mark your calendars for Tuesday, August 20th at 7pm, when we'll have our third 30 Pop Trivia Night at Cafeza. If you want to rack up some points ahead of time for your team of up to four people, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review of 30 Pop on Apple Podcasts or Facebook. You'll also get bonus points this month for signing up for our new 30 Pop mailing list. As always, friends, it's such a joy to make this show for you, and I can't thank you enough for listening and sharing the show with your friends, enemies, families, neighbors, and strangers. I'll be back next week with episode 25, so until then, in the immortal words of Prince's Bat Dance, in honor of the 30th anniversary of its final week at the top of the Billboard charts, keep busting. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Milieu Media Group, visit milieumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.